Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, did you see the tweet that Channel Fireball made before the LR versus LOL showdown happened? Oh, I believe it was uh, that whoever loses the fifth showdown had to cancel their podcast. Yeah, this is it. I'm sorry, everyone. This is the end. We, we weren't good end. enough to hold it up for you. But now I think what, what that means is that LR has to do two podcasts a week, right? Oh, they're just taking over Lords of Limited. They're taking control? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they can run into the ground if they want to, but they have to do it still. So Lords of Limited lives onward. Lives <laughs> on. Yeah. Uh, so for folks who don't know what we're talking about is uh, the, the team draft that we have recurring for each set against team resources. So me, Ben, and Alex Nikolic, aka Quarter Calls from Limited Level Ups uh, versus Marshall, LSV, and uh, BK from Constructed Resources. Um, so this is our fifth one. And uh, it was a close one, but unfortunately, we we could not pull out the trophy and the victory. Um, but we're still going to be reviewing it, which I'm, I'm kind of I'm the only reason I'm glad <laughs> that we didn't win is because we were planning to do this anyway, and I didn't want to to seem like we were only doing the team draft debrief after we won yeah really we just let them win to make it so that it you know didn't look bad that we were doing the podcast episode that was what happened exactly well i didn't want to say it ben i wouldn't want to let everyone in on the secret but that is <laughs> that is true yeah for sure so that's what we got going on for folks today that happened uh, on friday we're recording here on monday just the day that we release um so we're going to be diving into all six of those draft logs looking at the decks looking at maybe the, you know the twists and turns of how things went around the table and maybe where where there were some pitfalls or things we like should have done differently and and how the team draft elements sort of come into play uh for uh for what we did on friday but before we get into any and all that first things first we gotta talk about uh, the patreon page patreon dot com slash lords of limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose a lot of great stuff happening over on the patreon page we always have a nice little like uh cheering section uh, in the discord when we do these showdowns and those are fun to go and and look back at as people are watching and and, and chatting together uh, but a lot of great stuff happening in the discord you know you can do your deck techs what's the pick what's the play um just talking in, about big picture card evaluations as the format progresses that's all fantastic stuff uh, happening in the discord there that everybody gets access to via the patreon a lot of other really sweet stuff happening at the patreon we got uh, access to the show notes in anticipation of the show, access to Ben and my draft logs and deck picks for all of our drafts that we do for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and any other set, of course, um, access to a private section in the Discord and access to uh, monthly coaching sessions, even if you want to go all the way up to that top tier. So there's a lot of really sweet perks happening over at the Patreon. And of course, each and every week, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold. So this week, we are welcoming Stuart, Kieran, Michael, John, Thomas, Hugo, Chris, Arthur, Kenneth, and Joseph. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough. You mentioned the chat that we had in the Discord for the showdown. I was reading through it and somebody was doing play-by-play and it was like, so everybody's draft is going well, like Ethan's doing great, LSV's on track. And then, you know, so the four of you were all doing good. And then it got to Marshall and it said, Marshall's kind of train wrecking. And then it said, Ben dot 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 also train wrecking question mark or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me draft is going just fine <laughs> well we'll see yeah we'll have to uh, give you a chance to defend yourself when we get to your log later yeah but i, I do think i uh, messed up a little bit but not there was no way to know that at the time so yeah show also brought to you by cfb in part channelfireball.com best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related and big announcement regarding the launch of channel fireball marketplace we talked about that i don't know a few months ago it seemed like they kind of heralded that thing happening and it's officially closer to launching the new launch date is september 30th so coming up in a couple months we're at the beginning of august right now 
And so what you need to know is that as a customer, not a lot's going to change for you while you're shopping at Channel Fireball. It's still going to be the best place to shop for all your card game needs. There's still going to be Pokemon. There's still going to be Flesh and Blood. You're just going to be supporting your local game stores that sign up to be part of the CFB marketplace. And it's going to help keep the community together while you're shopping. So your favorite content's not going anywhere at Channel Fireball. It's still going to be there. Strategy.channelfireball.com. CFB Pro, if you're not signed up for that, you know, you can still get signed up for that. We're still going to be writing articles, etc. And your store credit's still going to be accepted anywhere on the store on the marketplace. So you can, you know, use your CFB store credit to buy things from your LGS. How sweet is that? That's really, really sweet. I, I love this move from CFB. I think it's like super classy and is like incredible for supporting the lifeblood of our community. And if you missed the original announcement, and you want to know more, just Google Channel Fireball Marketplace. There's an article all about it that you can find and check out. And speaking of checking out, when you purchase anything at Channel Fireball, make sure you use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's dive right in here, Ben. I think we'll, we'll we'll lead off with my draft log, and then we'll we'll whip around the table here. But perhaps maybe we should just give a little team draft uh, refresher for folks who don't know the format. So what happens here is it's 3v3, and you sit uh, alternating at the table uh, with your teammates. So if, if we're team A and resources is team B, then it goes A, B, A, B. AB around the table. So you know that you're being passed to and passing to uh, someone on the opposing team. And unlike a normal draft where you're like, ah, well, hate, hate drafting doesn't really come into play. Well, in a team draft, you not only know that you will be playing against the cards you pass, you're going to be playing against each of those people, right? You're going to be playing a best of three round against each of your three opposing teammates. Yes. So hate drafting actually does do things here because it's very zero sum, right? If you give your neighbor a good card, not only do you have to play against that card, but both of your teammates have to play against that card as well. So it adds a lot of layers and depth to the draft. And ideally, what you're trying to do is get the person to your left drafting one or more of the same colors as you so that you're taking the better cards of those colors out of each pack. Right, for sure. And there's, uh, you know, the, the card quality, I think, for everybody's deck because of that will be lower, but also because there's two fewer people at the table. So then there's six fewer packs to be opened at the table. And so just the card quality in general is going to be a little lower um, because of the hate drafting and because of the the smaller card pool. Yeah, I am psyched to dive into this. Let's go. All right. Well, let's 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 lead off here with my uh, draft log and you can tell me the picks and I'll talk you through what my thought process was. Yeah. And so you are passing to Marshall here. So I guess we should say the order of the table. So we're starting with you passing to Marshall, who's passing to Alex, passing to BK, Andrew Beckstrom, who's passing to me and I'm passing to LSV, who's then passing back around to you. And we'll, we'll go over that as we go through each draft again. So don't worry about committing that to memory or anything. So your pack one pick one is seeing the following cards as options. Really, it's just Drizzt Duerden in the rare slot, yeah. and you're slam jamming that, right? This is three green white for a three three double strike when ETBs you make Gwenhuvar, a legendary one one, a legendary four one green cat creature token, excuse me. Whenever a creature dies, if it had power greater than Drizzt's power, put a number of plus one plus one counters on Drizzt equal to the difference. Yeah, I mean this is better than any uncommon or common in the set, so pretty easy pick. And then we should talk about what's left in the pack and what I am aware that I'm passing to Marshall. Yeah, so what I would be thinking about is Burning Hands. That's the burn spell that deals two and then deals six if it's to a green permanent. There's an Owl Bear and a Priest of Ancient Lore. I think those are the three cards I would mainly be taking note of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was also noting that. So in terms of green cards, there's five actually, two that I'm not happy with in Plummet or Ranger's Longbow, but three others in Green Dragon, Inspiring Bard, and Owl Bear. And so just thinking about, you know, I really want to play this Drizzt if I can, and thinking about the possibilities of one of these green cards wheeling. Like I doubt Priest of Ancient Lore wheels. That's one of the 
the cards you pointed out in the pack as being, you know, the top tier. So I assume those that will be gone in the first go around. Um, but remember that the wheel is only going to be uh, six picks, right? So once it's picked seven, it'll be back on the wheel. So I, I'm hoping that I see like, you know, I, I assume Owlbear will be gone, maybe Green Dragon gone, but I can grab this Inspiring Bard hopefully on the wheel. And that's also something I'm thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. There's a Veteran Dungeoneer, the 3-4 that ventures when ETBs. There's another Owlbear, Plundering Barbarian, which is just, I think, a great red card in the format at this point. Like, it just keeps going up and up and up in my pick order. That's two in a red for the 2-2 that ETBs to destroy an artifact or make a treasure. There's a Horde Robber. Uh, and then moving on to the Uncommons and Rares, there's a Hamapashar Ruin Seeker, one white-blue for a 2-3, that makes all your dungeon abilities trigger an additional time. And then there's Vorpal Sword in the rare slot. Black the equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus O and death touch for an equipped cost of black black. And then you can pay five black 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 to give this uh, equipped creature whenever it deals combat damage to a player. That player loses the game. Yeah, I think Vorpal Sword is fine. Not incredible. Like that alternate kill condition comes up almost never. The, you know, plus two plus O and death touch is something though, like power boost plus death touch are not like two things that complement each other very well and equip cost of black black is something right so all of that adds up to a card that i think is is good but not like insane here's the thing about this pack so the rare is here two uncommons are here we've got hamapashar and then power of persuasion the dice rolling like bounce spell or maybe it grip ties the thing on top of the library whatever and then there's an uncommon missing so not that I think that Vorpal Sword is insane or anything, but I, I do think it's probably, if this were pack one, pick one, I think that would be my pick. Would you agree with that? Or would you still take Owlbear? I think I would still take Owlbear. Okay, so maybe it's not. But I, So my thought process was, what uncommon would LSV take out of a pack like this over these cards? And there's probably a lot, a number of them, but they're almost all in black or red, right? Like if we think about the top uncommons in the set, Talisman, Skullport Merchant, Magic Missile, Battlecry Goblin, you know, all those things. Maybe you think about plate armor or whatever, but most of them are black and red. And so I'm already clocking that as I'm assuming that LSV has taken a black or a red card out of this pack. Yeah, I think that's a good read by you. So my thought process was maybe maybe my um, card evaluation was a little off here if I don't think that Owlbear is better than Vorpal Sword. I mean, if I just think Owlbear is the best card in this pack, boom, that's an easy follow up to my Drizzt. But if I think Vorpal Sword is the best card in this pack, I think I'm still okay to ship that along to Marshall because I'll be either confident that LSV is cutting black already and that won't matter. I, maybe I can get LSV to hook and cut his own teammate or if black flows, I can still then cut Marshall off of it. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And I think you're also noting Hama Pashar, but don't really care about that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've played with Hama Pashar a fair amount. I've played with blue white a fair amount though i guess probably her best home is as a splash in black white venture um, so i'm noting it but i don't think that's worth you know hating here at all i agree completely yeah all right so you've got a drizzet and an owlbear moving on to pack one pick three see the following cards as options there's not great options for anyone this is a pretty junky pack this is our first real like it doesn't matter ish pack of the draft i think yeah for sure there's a Celestial Unicorn, which is a 3-2 that gets a plus one plus one counter when you gain life. There's a Purple Worm, which is sweet. Five green green for an 8-7. Cost two less to cast if a creature die this turn. Ward two. And then the other uncommon that really matters is a Displacer Beast. But even that's kind of junky. Yeah, I mean, this was a... I, I felt I'm just going to take Purple Worm. I didn't love starting off with two five drops and a seven drop or three five drops if you think about the alternate cost with purple worm but at the end of the day i did think that purple worm was the best card out of this pack and so and it lined up with what i had taken already so i was you know in theory happy to take this but was wishing that my curve was a little lower 
Yeah, I agree. But you got to take Purple Worm there. So happy to have Drizzt and two green cards. Moving on to pack one, pick four. This is an interesting one. Yeah. See the following cards as options. There's a you hear something on watch. One and a white for an instant. Creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn or it deals five damage to an attacking creature. There's... I don't know, a smattering of red and black cards. There's like a Thieves Tools, an Armory Veteran, nothing exciting in any color, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the uncommon slot, there's a Targnar Demon Fang Null, which is red-green for the 2-2 when it attacks. If you attack with creatures power total six or greater, attacking creatures get plus one plus oh until end of turn, and you can pay two red-green to double Targnar's power and toughness until end of turn. Okay, so I, I want to do want to point out one other card, though it's not like it's not really in consideration for me, but I th- I did think about it at the time, which is Sylvan Shepherd, the two and a green, two, three with vigilance. Um, dice roll, gain life when it attacks, etc. Uh, the only reason I was thinking about that is it gets me deeper into green, right? I've got green, white card, and then green card, green card. And there's something appealing to take the shepherd here in terms of that. But the team draft aspect of things, I think, warrants me looking at more powerful cards. And then it, it, it came down to Targnar versus you hear something on watch for me. So you hear something on watch, keeps me in green, white, which I really want to do for Drizzt. Targnar, I think, is definitely the most powerful card, highest ceiling uh, in the pack. Here's my thought for not taking Targnar, which is why I, I eventually ended up taking you here something. So one, my guess is that Marshall took Burning Hands out of my first pack, right? I took Drizzt past Burning Hands. That was the best card in that pack, I think. So depending on what he took first, that would be what I think he would take second out of that pack. So giving him another red card is, I think, kind of interesting because one, it's a red green card and I'm definitely cutting green hard from him um, so far and I can do so again in pack three. So I can cut him off from having a good green deck. And then if I also assume that LSV is drafting red or black, if he's drafting red and Marshall takes the Targnar, he's going to end up cutting his own teammate as well. The same thought process I had about the Vorpal Sword. So I ended up you know, giving a little bit of power to Marshall, but thinking that I could mitigate that um, and then getting a good card if I ended up in green white with uh, you hear something. Yeah, that makes sense. There's so many layers, dude. Like, I mean, like already we're like four picks deep and every pick I'm like, okay, I have to do, okay, I'm I'm on level one with this pick, but then go to level two and you can take this pick. But level three means that if I pass this card, you know, you're like, there's a lot to juggle in these team drafts. Oh, for sure. Draft is awesome. And team draft is that on steroids. Yeah. So moving on to pack one, pick five, you see the following cards as options. This is a bit of a want-wah for you drafting yourself. There are no real playable green or white cards here. The closest is choose your weapon, which is two and a green, uh, double target creature's power and toughness until end of turn, or deal five damage to a creature with flying. But I don't think you're taking that. Um, Other cards in consideration in the pack, there's a plundering barbarian, there's a hobgoblin captain, and a tiger tribe hunter in red. So some pretty strong red signals here for red being one of the better colors. And then there's also a baleful beholder in black. Yeah. So I, of course, immediately have regrets about not taking Targnar seeing this. Um, But, you know, I just got to do what I got to do, which is either, which is one, take the best card out of the pack, which I think is Hobgoblin Captain, and either move into red myself if that ends up being open, which I would be shocked if it were. Um, But at least I get to cut this two drop from Marshall if he's taking the Targnar and thinking about being red green himself. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And I think, you know, pack one, pick one, it's kind of close between Hobgoblin Captain and Tiger Tribe Hunter, just because Tiger Tribe Hunter is such a good sack outlet for decks mm-hmm. with price of loyalty. But here I agree. We just and we talked about that before the team draft, right? We don't want to let random two drops fly around the table because the two drops are so important. And so if we end up with more of them, I think that favors us. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on to pack one, pick six, you see the following cards as options. There's not Again, a lot of greatness here. There's an Underdark Basilisk as a green two drop, one two with Death Touch. And then some good blue cards that are going around late. There's a Genie Windseer, 
There's also a guild thief at the uncommon slots, one in a blue for the 1-1. One, one. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you get a plus one plus one counter on it, and you can make it unblockable for three and a blue. Yeah, I mean, some good blue flying around, but I don't want to be blue and don't particularly care about blue, though I assume Ginny wins here gets better in team draft, right? Just a four mana 3-3 three, three flyer is going to be a reasonable threat. Um, but I just took the Basilisk here. And it's, there's like there's the delta between whatever the best card in the pack is, which might just be Basilisk itself, period. And the next card is not that big. So I'm just going to take what I think is the best card for my deck. Yeah. And moving on to pack one, pick seven, you see a bunch of those green cards wheel. So the wheel happens, you know, two picks sooner in team draft, which is something to be aware of. So wheel happens on pack one, pick seven. There's still green dragon in the pack, as well as inspiring bard, plummet and rangers longbow. Right. So just the owlbear missing, which is not shocking at all. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see the four green cards here. And it's interesting here. I, I think I could take Green Dragon, but I was again thinking about my curve. And if I'm Green White, I think Inspiring Bard gets a little better with uh, being able to to trigger some life gain matters stuff. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So you've gotten yourself deep into Green here, likely to be Green White, I think, with Drizzt Jordan and the, you hear something on Watch. But you've got the Hobgoblin Captain as well. You're putting Marshall on what and LSV on what, like based on what you've done so far. I mean, I think I'm assuming that LSV is black at least, and that maybe he took. You know, he got a better black uncommon and Ant Slash was thinking about maybe he can hook and cut me with the Vorpal Sword. Um, so I'm assuming he's black. Marshall, I'm assuming is red. Like, I think I would if I was him, I would have taken the Burning Hands and the Targnar. But then and then maybe you get the Tiger Tribe Hunter. So I'll, I'm assuming Marshall's probably red. But, you know, I don't think I've passed anyone anything egregious. And I think I'm pretty happy with where I'm at in terms of getting deeper into green. You know, that Sylvan Shepherd wield pack one pick 10 and i think i have a, a good chance of getting into white with the you hear something on watch and the drizzt so feeling pretty okay with where i'm at is there any other picks that are exciting for you that you want to dive into and maybe go deep on pack two or pack three at all yeah i think there's a couple picks that i want to take a look at um so we'll jump ahead past pack two pick one where i just grab another underdark basilisk over you know a handful of other comparable cards um but nothing worth like hating i think pack two pick two let's talk about this one yeah so there's a really interesting thing here going on so pack two pick two you see the following cards as options there's you hear something on watch there's also a bevy of good cards in other colors in black there's a horde robber and a grim bounty as well as a check for traps in the uncommon slot that's the one that lets you look at your opponent's hand and take a card out of it and then for you there's a knoll hunter in green as well as a prosperous innkeeper the one in a green one one makes a treasure and whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control you gain a life yeah, so in terms of what's the best card for my deck, I think like I'd like to be green white, but don't know that I'll be white. Um, so I eliminate you here something on watch. And then thinking about the two two drops, I do really like Noel Hunter a lot. But if you think about the makeup of my deck and sort of what I expect my team draft deck to look like, it's probably gonna be on the more, you know, mid-range to controly grindy side like i don't think i'm gonna get a good aggro deck i've got two basilisks in the two drop slot that's not very aggressive and i do have you know a handful of fives and the, the seven drop and the purple worm to ramp to or or want to like stabilize my life total until i get there so my thought is that prosperous innkeeper is the best for my deck and if i end up in green white with some life gain synergies it's going to be really really good but i don't have any of that yet the best card in the pack i mean i think you could make an argument for prosperous innkeeper pack one pick one but, but I think Grim Bounty is probably there as the best card in this pack overall. And if I think that LSV is in black, which I assume I, I which I am assuming based on, you know, that uh, that read on the uncommon missing and the fact that I saw, you know, basically no black in pack one. So that either means that he's in black or that you, Ben, are in black and cutting him from black and thus cutting me from black. So 
I think there are there are two things happening here, which is what's the like value difference between Innkeeper and Grim Bounty? And I think if there is one, it's kind of small. And so I don't know like how much better it is to hate a card potentially from LSE, but I don't even know, right? It could be you that's in black. So taking the Grim Bounty here as a hate versus taking a card that's going to be really good for my deck, I end up taking the card that's just good for my deck, which I do think is the default you should have when it's that close in power level, um, especially with the, you know, I might, there's the, there's, you know, if it's a 90% chance that that LSV is in black, there's still a 10% chance that if I take the Grim Bounty, I'm just like shooting our team in the foot twice. Right, because you end up in this world where if both LSV and I are in black, then you take the Grim Bounty, LSV still gets the Horde Robber, and I get nothing. It's really hard to hate yes. draft. Like, you're supposed to hate draft in team draft, but it's really hard to hate draft if there's two cards of the color in the pack. Like, you have to be very, very confident to hate draft in that spot. Right. And and, and like we talked about before the show, like, Grim Bounty is significantly better than Horde Robber, but Horde Robber is still a good two-drop, I think, and probably even gets better in team draft where, like, maybe you're splashing and so the treasure gets better, etc., um, so it's just really hard for me to make that call. You know, if Prosperous Innkeeper isn't here, I think you could make a case for it, right? If Prosperous Innkeeper isn't anything that matters, and I'm thinking about taking a Knoll Hunter here, then I think we can start talking about hating the Grim Bounty. But I think with a, a card as good as Innkeeper, I can't do it. Well, and it might be strange to people to hear you talking about how good Prosperous Innkeeper is, but I, I agree with you. This is essentially a green-white gold card, but it's very strong in green-white, right? There's only a handful of cards that give you repeatable life gain triggers, and green-white really wants repeatable life gain triggers. Well, and I already have two things I'm interested in ramping out, especially Drizzt. Like, if I can get a turn four Drizzt, that's so good. Right. Very, very strong. So that's what I ended up snagging there. So for the rest of pack two, I basically just went mono green i got spoils of the hunt i got my fave dungeon map just a nice little ramp piece plus uh mana sink in the late game which i expect to be even better in team draft which i would assume is a little slower another basilisk a card that actually really performed well for me is loathsome troll which i think is basically garbage most of the time this is the five mana six two and then when it's in your graveyard you can uh, roll a d20 and pay four mana one through nine you put it on top of your library 10 through 19 return it to your hand and then nat 20 you get to put it back to the battlefield tapped this was actually a pretty good resilient late game threat slash recursion slash mana sync for me in a lot of my games yeah i've been impressed with that card in exactly certain situations like that but you have to end up in that situation for it to do anything yeah and then pack three pick one i think we face another really tough decision this is like one of the most stacked packs we've seen yeah so zooming in here there's a bunch of good cards there's dragon's fire and grim bounty in the common slot which are two of the top commons, probably the two best commons or close to it, if not. Yeah, and I then think they are. a bevy of other good cards in the uncommon slot. There's Reaper's Talisman, um, which is the black equipment that drains two gains to when you attack alone with a creature. Just what a ridiculous card. Yeah, it's the and the fact that the equip cost is colorless means it's splashable, right? You don't need this in the early game. Yeah. Then there's another Prosperous Innkeeper for you, as well as Hunter's Mark, which is three and a green, give your creature plus one, plus one, and then it fights a creature you don't control or Planeswalker. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Oh, I probably. I mean, I wonder if I uh, if I missed that against, against uh, Grandmaster. Against Grandmaster. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So at this point, I I think it's worth noting that I have three of the basilisks, which make these bite spells a lot better. Right? I have a spoils of the hunt already, but Hunter's Mark is is pretty well primed for my deck. Like I think I would normally think that Innkeeper is a better card, but I think shoring up my removal is important because I think I only have I currently have spoils, 
a you hear something and I have a one of the daggers, which actually works well with my three death touch creatures as well. Um, but I think that the hunter's mark here would be the best pick for my deck. But like passing talisman is really bad. Passing dragon's fire is bad, especially if I think Marshall is red, which, you know, I have no reason to think he isn't at this point. And the Grim Bounty. So the best card in the pack period is Talisman. I think by, you know, some sort of significant margin. A, a gradation, two gradations maybe. Like, it's B plus at least. But the awkward thing is, if Marshall somehow found his way into black with, like, the Vorpal Sword and maybe got hooked up in pack two, I can't, like, hate Talisman because then he still gets to take Bounty, right? Right. Yes. You just can't hate a card when there's two cards in the pack. Yeah. So I end up taking the Hunter's Mark. And thankfully, at the like the first thing I asked at the end of the draft, I was like, Alex, did you get a floated talisman in pack three? And he was like, yes, I did. And I'm splashing it. I was like, cha-ching. Okay, great. So that's like the reason why you can't, sometimes you can't hate it, right? That was the, That's like the 10%. If Marshall decides, hey, I'm just going to take Dragon's Fire again, because he can't hate two black cards, then Alex gets the talisman, which is great for us. Yes. Yeah. So zooming out to the deck pick here, you know, this is a pretty straightforward draft for my seat. I opened Drizzt, you know, sort of straddled the line a little bit, but ended up getting into green white had like green white weird like green white you know mid-range pile having two mana sink dungeon stuff with the 50 feet of rope and dungeon map um a lot of really good removal triple you hear something on watch the triple basilisk i ended up going second in a lot of my matches like when i had the choice just because triple you hear something on watch and triple basilisk was so good defensively and there were some like sketchy splashes on the other side of the table that i thought i could also mess with by putting them on the play so this is the deck i ended up in i think the cloister gargoyle is the biggest mistake of the pile like i wish that that was just literally anything else i probably should have had like scaled herbalist or even you find a cursed idol in the main deck um, but otherwise i was like pretty happy with my draft and this deck um, it just unfortunately did not pan out for us in the match, and uh, I went one two. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Let's go on to Marshall, which is who you are passing to. Yeah. So uh, you know we'll see a lot of the same information except for this pack one pick one, which will be new information for us. So let's see what Marshall ended up opening. Pack one pick one. Not a lot of commons to talk about. Underdark Basilisk, a Planar Ally, a Ginny Windseer. Those are probably the, the best of the bunch. But he's got some good stuff going on at higher rarity here. First up, Reaper's Talisman. What a fantastic open for him. Intrepid Outlander, the two mana, two, three with reach and green and pack tactics. You get to venture. There's the Guild Thief. That's the uh, two mana, one, one in blue that you can make unblockable and it grows every time it connects. And he also opens a Vorpal Sword. Whoa. Yeah. So that's two Vorpal Swords opened in pack one, um, both by team resources. Yeah. I think if I'm looking at this pack, if I'm Marshall, I think Reaper's Talisman is far and away the best card. And that's what I would be on. And then I'd be noting those other three uncommons or the, the two uncommons and the rare that I'm passing rather. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe also you get to think about doing a similar hook and cut thing if, you know, Alex takes the Vorpal Sword or Alex perhaps values it uh, higher than Marshall does. But it seems like both teams were on Vorpal Sword as being fine, not great. Yes. So pack one, pick two. Uh, this is the first pack I passed to Marshall. So we've got, you know, the Owlbear, a Yuan-Ti Fangblade. There's an Inspiring Bard, Horde Robber, Priest of Ancient Lore a green dragon, right, at Uncommon, and that Burning Hands, the two-mana burn spell that deals six to a green permanent instead. Yeah, I think there's a, several reasonable options here. I think Priest, Owlbear, and Burning Hands are all fairly comparable. And then Horde Robber's enough worse than those, or Yuan-T Fangblade, depending on what you value higher, that you don't want to take a black guard here to match up with Reaper's Talisman. I think you're just taking too much of a hit in power. Although Reaper's Talisman, now nah, Reaper's Talisman's splashable too. So I think you're taking a card of a different color here. 
And then a lot of it boils down to what you want to pair with black. And I think if you're Marshall, you'd like to try to get into the best deck in the format, right? I mean, you want to be black red and you'd like to stop the other team from being black red. So I think I would land on burning hands here over Albear priest and the other black commons. I agree. Well, I also think red, I think is the consensus best color. And so not only do you get the option or the possibility of getting into the best deck in red, black, we also just get to take a card, a good card out of the best color and potentially get into that color as well. Yep. Yeah. So Marshall agrees, takes the burning hands, moving on to pack one, pick three. This is, you know, not a great pack. There's a plundering barbarian and a horde robber. If he wants to stick with red or black, other notable cards, we've got a veteran dungeoneer, the four mana three, four in white that ventures when it ETBs. At Uncommon, we've got that that blue bounce spell, Power of Persuasion, white-blue, gold uncommon in Hama Pashar, and Marshall's second option at taking a Vorpal Sword of the draft. Yeah, looking at this pack, it's pretty junky, right? There's Mm -hmm. good red and black commons in Plundering Barbarian and Horde Robber and then the Vorpal Sword. That's pretty much all you're looking at for Marshall because you're not passing anything. Right. I honestly think I would take Plundering Barbarian here because it gets you deeper into red which you'd like to do for the burning hands also gives you a treasure in case you get shoved off of black to splash your reaper's talisman and then just is very good in the format if you cast this and you blow up an opposing artifact you feel great it's super powerful so i think vorpal swords just kind of mediocre enough that i would take plundering barbarian here over horde robber and vorpal sword yeah i I like that pick actually Uh, marshall ends up taking the vorpal sword out of this pack but i think all of your reasoning for taking plundering barbarian makes sense pack one pick four we're moving on to that that first real junky pack this is the one that had like you know it had celestial unicorn a dueling rapier uh manticore in the uncommon slot there's a displacer beast this is the pack i took the purple worm out of but there really isn't a lot to speak of here yeah i mean you're just sort of taking a stab in the dark here if you're marshall i think it's between rapier as just adding another red card to your collection celestial unicorn and i think displacer beast for me and i you could hand me one of those cards and i wouldn't particularly care i think i would choose dueling rapier just because it's another red card and i think it does perform fine to very good in red decks certainly if you can get into red white as well and i think celestial unicorn has been pretty underwhelming even in green white with life gain triggers i agree and you have to think like in team draft that deck is just going to be way harder to come together like synergy decks are hard to assemble in team draft yeah marshall ends up taking the celestial unicorn but like we said i think the power level is fairly flat between a number of his choices pack one pick five this is a pack with a ton of red and black options for him, which is kind of crazy, as we'll see uh, down the road what that means. But there's a hired Hexblade, a Thieves Tools, and then three red commons, Goblin Javelinier, Army Veteran, the two mana 2-2 two, two, gets Menace when it's equipped, and Earth Cult Elemental, the six mana 6-6 six, six with uh, dice rolling, each player sacks a permanent or each opponent sacks a permanent or two permanents if you roll a nat 20. And then there's still also Arborea Pegasus if he wants to follow up his Celestial Unicorn in white. And that Targnar Demon Fang Knoll that we talked about, the red-green uncommon. Yeah, this is a tough spot for Marshall, right? The the best card in the pack is Targnar Demon Fang Knoll, which is the the 2-2 gold uncommon there. That's significantly better than all the other cards, but you only really have the Burning Hands that match up with it with Marshall's Root because he took Talisman, Mm -hmm. Burning Hands, Forpal Sword into Celestial Unicorn. So it's kind of appealing to take Hired Hexblade to get another black card. And then you've got three black cards. You know, it has the Treasure Synergy. Maybe you're still able to draft Black Red. But the Targnar being here, pack one, pick five, seems like a fairly strong signal to me that, you know, even if red and green aren't open individually, 
that red green might be open. Like if you take my route through the draft, I'm slamming Targnar, right? Because I'm deeper into red than Marshall is. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's really tough with hired Hexblade and Targnar with the route Marshall took through the draft. And I, I think I would still take a flyer on Targnar, but it's really close. It's, it's also tough for him with the route he's taken because he's just so incentivized to want to be able to play Reaper's Talisman at this point. He has no other cards really pulling him in a direction. And so I think taking a black card here makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I could see that. It just hurts to pass the Targnar. I agree. Well, and, but then there's also the possibility of him, you know, he could be thinking about, well, I'm, yeah, I know I'm passing the Targnar to Alex. And so then I can use that information in pack three to pen potentially cut him whatever um but yeah it's tough here uh seeing a lot of red black cards plus the red green card coming off the power level of the last pack this pack is just wild yeah but you're if you're marshall and you're taking hired hex blade you're taking probably like the fourth or fifth best card out of the pack which kind of hurts in a team draft i agree i agree pack one pick six he sees that pack where i took the hobgoblin captain two really good red guards still in the pack with the tiger tribe hunter and the plundering barbarian he's also seeing a baleful beholder you know i think just like chunky top end is going to be good in team draft is my guess so he's got some good options in red and black if that's where he thinks he might end up yeah and i think marshall's gotta be on like wanting to be red black and seeing tiger tribe hunter here is pretty exciting right that's one of the best cards as far as sack outlets go in red black mm-hmm. because you get to steal their thing kill it and kill one of their other things when you attack with a tiger tribe hunter with pack tactics which is super strong play so i think if i'm marshall i'm slamming tiger tribe hunter here and i'm pretty happy to see it so the pack rounds out with him not getting very many good pickups he gets a lot of late blue um he ends up grabbing like a pixie guide and then you come to a river actually two copies of that uh, getting a guild thief second to last pick um in terms of for colors he probably thinks he wants to play he only gets a jaded cell sword the four mana four three if you use a treasure to cast it it's got first strike and haste until end of turn um and a goblin javelin near pack one pick 11 so you know probably thinks he's gonna be red probably hoping to be red black with the talisman but not quite sure and maybe maybe thinking about toying with being red blue with all that late blue he gets yeah, and then pack two, pick one. Why Why can't he just pass this? You know, <laughs> He opens Grandmaster of Flowers. This is the white planeswalker. That's just an absolute bomb. And it's really a shame because like, I wish that he, maybe if there was a really good red card here, like if it's Battlecry Goblin, maybe he takes that and ships the Grandmaster to me. But unfortunately, he just takes Grandmaster of Flowers here. This is the pack that has the Prosperous Innkeeper and the Knoll Hunter and the Grim Bounty and the You Hear Something on Watch that I uh, sort of debate between in pack two, pick two. But yeah, so Marshall takes the Grandmaster here, and I think it's probably mostly a hate at this point, but I think it ends up sort of shaping how his draft goes. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because this makes him draft white underneath you passing to you in pack two when he probably wouldn't have been doing that otherwise yeah for sure right because i I think and you could still say like oh it's just a hate draft but then pack two pick two there's not much for him like he could take a ferritus fireball but he ends up just taking the steadfast paladin and because at this point i mean grandmaster i think is still is actually even better than talisman so now uh, grandmaster is his best card so he is sort of weirdly incentivized now to move into white which you're you're right like will work out for him in this pack but he's not going to see much good white from me in pack three right so he does end up in red white i think ultimately if we want to take a look at his deck so he's got some really powerful top end in his deck so he is a base red white deck but he's splashing both the talisman that we see there and he opens an orcus prince of undeath 
in pack three, which is an insane bomb, one of the only sweepers in the format or pseudo sweepers in the format. This is the X2 black red 5-3 flying trample. When it ETBs, you can choose one. Each other creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. You lose X life. Or we also saw this mode in the team draft, return up to X target creature cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. They gain haste until end of turn. So he's got a powerful splash there. He's got the Grandmaster of Flowers. So some really good top end. And then I think it's sort of caught in the middle of MI aggro with some equipment and two goblin javelineers um, or sort of more mid rangey to controlling with those like powerful rares and splashing them off of, you know, a swamp and a handful of ways to make treasure. Yeah, the treasure making is dicey as well, right? So there's unexpected windfall, which is a good way to make treasure. And then there's treasure chest, which is a pretty suspect way to make treasure. I mean, it's kind of crazy in this deck that he maybe even would prefer to roll two through nine to get those five treasures for his splash. So there's really only three sources for those two cards, and you're not even guaranteed the treasure on the treasure chest. So that's tough because he's only running one swamp. But he mm-hmm. did get there against me. You know, we had <laughs> confessions. We have a Google Doc where as we're playing, like we write out the cards we see so that, you know, we can try to construct their decks so that we know how to play against them. And I was trying to type in the Google Doc. Oh my God. And I was on the wrong page and I hit enter and I accidentally F6 my fourth turn <laughs> against Marshall in our game one. Yeah, I think I had already lost to LSV and then I heard that Ben passed, someone in my chat was like, Ben passed his fourth turn. I was like, well, this is going well. This will be good for us. <laughs> I have literally never accidentally <laughs> F6 a turn on Arena until that moment. It was pretty bad, but I ended up winning the game anyway. Um, so no harm, no foul, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was all, all part of the plan there. But anyway, like this Orcus, like I was came out of nowhere and the Grandmaster. So I was like typing in large bold capital letters in our doc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are some insane bombs here for Marshall. Uh, I think some stuff broke our way pretty well in, in those matches. Um, and I think also maybe uh, partially the the dicey splash here, uh, but Marshall did end up going 0-3 in the draft. All right, moving on to Alex. All right, so what's going on with Alex's draft? Pack one, pick one. He sees the following cards as options. A Hobgoblin Captain, a Plundering Barbarian, Tiger Tribe Hunter, Goblin Morning Star. There's a boatload of red in this pack and really no good cards of other colors except for Minimus Containment. And then on the rare slot, boom, another Orcus Prince of Undeath. Wow. So that's, we know Marshall opens one and now we see Alex open one. And Alex has, you have to be thrilled. Like I do think getting to open these bomb rares, like I was so happy to see Drizzt pack one, pick one. I'm sure Alex is thrilled to see a bomb rare in the best color pair, pack one, pick one. Yeah. I mean, you have to be for sure. So you slam Orcus. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options significantly weaker pack here. I think the best cards in the pack from Marshall's pack are those two uncommons and Vorpal Sword. There's the Intrepid Outlander, the Guild Thief, and Vorpal Sword. If I'm Alex, I guess you're taking Vorpal Sword over Intrepid Outlander just because you really want to play this Orcus, but I think Intrepid Outlander is the best card. Yeah, and I think I might even take the Outlander just based on our conversation about how important two drops were. Not that this is like an insane two drop, but it's just such a good rate and Vorpal Sword, I think, is just so meh and medium. And I don't think it's like sending a signal slash like, you know, you're going to if black is open, you know, you're going to draft it because you have Orcus. And so like maybe you can hook cut someone with the Vorpal Sword. I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made for the Outlander here. Alex does select the Vorpal Sword, though. And so moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following cards as options. There's black cards in Horde Robber and Yuan Fangblade. Green, there's Owlbear 
as the best green card. And then there's also a priest of ancient lore in the pack. Yeah. So we got Alex to give us some thoughts here. And this is one of the picks he wanted to highlight. He said he could have just taken Yuanti Fangblade here to stick to black red or base black, but he think it's too big of a power level hit to not take the owlbear. And he also really likes red green X mid range as a deck. So he's like happy to have a, a hedge or a nod towards that. And I think owlbear just lets him both hedge towards a good deck and take the best card out of the pack. And in team draft, that's a really good spot to be in. Right. And that's similar spot last pick with the Intrepid Outlander, right? And then if you take yes. the Intrepid Outlander, you feel even better about the Owlbear here. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you don't want to be super rowdy about that. But yeah, I agree. Well, but it's the similar reasoning to take the Intrepid Outlander, right? Yes. Yes. Because I don't, I think just Forpal Sword is whatever. I don't think it matters that much. If you're in black, you'll maybe play it if your creature count is high enough. Um, but it's not like a huge pull or anything. Right. And I think you're supposed to be assuming you're not just going to get a waltz into black red. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like all six players at this table know black red is insane and should be aware of it. And it's probably going to be contested. Yeah. So Alex now has an Orcus of Orpal Sword and an Owlbear. Moving on to pack one, pick four. You see the following cards as options. There's a Plundering Barbarian and literal zero green cards in the pack. There's a Horde Robber as a black two drop. And nothing else really of interest, like there's a Hama Pashar, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, Alex ends up being thrilled to take the Plundering Barbarian here. It sounds like, I think, maybe one of the things, and not that it would have affected us, but we didn't do, again, we didn't do any sort of like pre-draft team meeting or anything. I think you and I are a lot higher on Horde Robber than Alex is. I'd like, he's not noting that. Like, the previous pack, it sounds like he would have taken Yuan-Ti over Horde Robber, and I would not have done that if I was thinking about taking a black card. So I think Alex just doesn't really like Horde Robber that much, but he's thrilled to take the Barbarian here and is noting passing Hama Pashar, but just really noting it, not really thinking about, like, you know, it as a pick for him. Right. So moving on to pack one, pick five. This is, again, that super junky pack. There's nothing really good at all. Best card in the pack maybe is a Displacer Beast, but it's all junk. Yeah. And as he says, he's like, this pick just doesn't matter. So I think he's taking what is maybe the best card. He did just pass a Hama Pashar. So if, you know, BK is doing as BK is want to do some spice, <laughs> uh, then he does take the Hama Pashar. Then, you know, taking the Displacer Beast away from him is better than taking any of these, you know, fairly medium cards in the pack. Yeah. And then pack one, pick six, boom, gets that Targnar that Marshall passed. Yeah. And this is amazing for him. It's likely solidifies him in, in base red green, seeing it pick six with, you know, an armory veteran, an earth called elemental, a goblin javelinier and a sylvan shepherd. So not only is he seeing a red green gold card, but, you know, a handful of red green cards that he could just play, period. Yeah. And then pack one, pick seven gets a plundering barbarian. Pack one, pick eight gets an unexpected windfall. And that's great, right? Because he can play red green and already has the treasure to likely splash that Orcus. This wheel is phenomenal for him. Barbarian, Windfall, Green Dragon, Herbalist, whatever. It's a two drop. And then Earth Cult Elemental pick 12. Yeah, that's super solid in team draft to get a 6-6 six, six pick 12. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple other notable picks here in pack two pick one. He opens up, I don't know, like he could take a Spoils of the Hunt or a Ferret's Fireball or even an Evolving Wilds for his splash. But he opens a rare dancing sword, one on a white equipment, equip cost of one, equipped creature gets plus two, plus one. And when the equipped creature dies, you can have dancing sword become a two, one artifact creature with flying and ward one. Um, and he's like, you know, he's nowhere near being white, but is thinking to himself, hey, based on pack one, seeing no white, he's almost sure that Marshall is in white. 
it's actually that I'm in white. I know, which um, is funny because Marshall wasn't until he opened the Grandmaster. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's that sort of thing. Like it was me talking about, you know, is LSV or is Ben in black? Like you can be sort of sure that one of the two people to your right is in that color if you think it's cut, but you can't really peg who it is. Um, so he's, he, he's assuming Marshall's in white, so he doesn't pass the sword. And I agree with that. Even if, you know, even if he doesn't end up hating it for me, you know, he, I think has to take this and it's quite splashable again, right? Much like Reaper's Talisman, the equip cost is colorless. So you only have to pay for the, uh, the upfront white mana to cast it. Oh yeah. Did he play this in his deck? I don't think he did. He had a pretty deep black splash. Oh, okay. So I think he ended up not dipping into white yeah we should also fast forward to pack three pick one so alex keeps happily on his his uh red green lane um it doesn't doesn't have a lot of interesting hate decisions in pack two but pack three pick one see some sweet stuff yeah so he's got a ton of options here um really powerful pack in total there's a you hear something on watch a precipitous drop there's a boots of speed in the uncommon slot, there's another Targnar Demon Fang Knoll for Alex's red green deck. There's also a Goblin Morning Star, the one on a red equipment, plus one plus oh and trample equip cost of one on a red. And it almost has living weapon, right? It makes a one-one goblin and then half the time auto attaches to it. And then in the rare slot, he opens another dancing sword. This time passing to BK. Yeah, this is crazy. So this is an interesting spot in team draft, right? Targnar is far and away the best card for Alex, and he notes that he's lacking two drops here. Um, So it's even more appealing to take the Targnar if you're light on two drops. If you think BK is white or you even suspect BK is white, I think Dancing Sword is on the no pass list, right? I think Dancing Sword is on the no pass list just period because of what we already mentioned with how splashable it is, right? You just need some treasure or an Evolving Wilds or whatever. And there's no reason for Alex to think that BK is in white. He passed him a Priest of Ancient Lore in pack one, and that's basically it. Like, I guess a pick seven... Arborea Pegasus, I'm looking back through the draft, but not that much that would make make me think, oh, I, I set him into white. But even so, like, I just think, one, Dancing Sword is too good to pass here. And two, I mean, Alex got a pick six Targnar in pack one. I think there's a real high likelihood that he can just wheel this out of this pack. Well, there's also the potential that somebody hates it. And then that is pretty tough because you got to figure somebody else is taking Morningstar. And if somebody else hates it, then you end up with no two drop and Alex needs two drops. So it's a tough spot, but I think I would ultimately land on Dancing Sword. If this pack looked like that, you know, that super weak pack with the Displacer Beast in pack one and there was a Targonar in here, sure, I could see it. I don't think people are hating stuff out of this pack. I guess like if there's another green drafter, they're kind of sad, but only if they are, I don't know, green, blue. So Ben is sad here with the pack gets to him, spoiler, <laughs> but like... I don't know. I mean, obviously, who knows what can happen. But I do think the Dancing Sword, you know, spoiler alert, BK did end up taking the Dancing Sword, didn't end up playing it. And it was I don't know about you, but it was really good in one of in one of my matches against him or one of my games against him. I stabilized and then couldn't beat this in game one, I think, because I brought in a you find a cursed idol. But like, I just like saw this. And I was like, oh, now your Yuan T Fangblade is a four three and I can't trade with it. And it's just it, was, it messed me up a little bit. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I did not have problems against Dancing Sword when I played BK. I just didn't really get to play Magic against BK. We played three games. The game we played Magic, I won pretty handily. And then the other two games, I just mulliganed into oblivion and didn't hit land drops. Yeah. So if we take a look at Alex's deck, it's it's really 
pretty darn good. So he's got red green base, splashing Orcus, Deadly Dispute, and Reaper's Talisman off of an Evolving Wilds, a couple swamps, a number of treasure makers, right? He's got two barbarians, improvised weaponry, unexpected windfall. Um, so it's a nice looking deck. Yeah. Um, and he ended up going 2 1. All right. That takes us on to BK, the Spice Master himself here. So BK sees the following cards pack one, pick one. There's some fine commons. There's a Targnar that ends up making its way all the way to Alex, which is mm-hmm. crazy because Alex is the one passing to BK right now. So it makes it all the way around the table. There's Purple Worm, Death Priest of Miracle, which is the two black, black, two, two. Skeletons, vampires, and zombies, you control get plus one, plus one. And at the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, you can pay one to make a one, one black skeleton creature token. And then in the rare slot, Triumphant Adventurer, white, black for a one, one death touch. As long as it's your turn, it has first strike. And when it attacks, you venture into the dungeon. Yeah, I think this is the best card in the pack. It's great to take. And, you know, I think BK probably has some of some similar proclivities as, as I do, maybe in terms of venturing. And he's probably happy to, to take this and try and get into that deck. Yeah. And then so pack one, pick two, sees the following cards as options. There's a Minimus Containment. And this pack with all those good red cards, the Barbarian, the Captain, the Hunter, the Morning Star, and not a lot else. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that there's a thing where the red cards are, are better than containment, at least in my mind, at least Morningstar and Hobgoblin Captain are better than containment. And you could probably make a case for Tiger Tribe Hunter. But, you know, he's really incentivized to play the adventurer. Minimus containment is a good follow up there. And he can't hate any red here, right? He can take a red card, but then he's still passing three good red cards. So it doesn't make sense to hate it. Yeah. And I think this pack might have tripped people up it was hard because you know you see this pack and you think whoa is red really open but it wasn't no like this pack had a lot of red cards but there were not a lot of other packs with a lot of good red cards pack one no or really i don't think there were a lot of good red cards open in the packs despite i think three players ending up in red yeah. All right, moving on to pack one pick three see the following cards as options there's a planner ally and Best black cards, probably like a zombie ogre, the three five that ventures when a creature dies. And then those uncommons, Intrepid Outlander and Guild Thief. Yeah. And th- again, I don't think there's any reason for BK to stray here. He could take the Intrepid Outlander as just, this is the best card. This also cares about venturing. Maybe I end up in green, white, splash the the adventurer, though splashing a two drop isn't that great. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Planar Ally, but I, I think I like him just, you know, sticking hard to venture here. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You, you could take Intrepid Outlander, but that's really awkward to play Intrepid Outlander and Triumphant Adventure in the same deck. So I agree. I like the Planar Ally pick here. And I think much like a, lo- a lot of cards we'll see, or maybe some cards that surprise us, like Planar Ally is not very good in regular draft, in my opinion. I think it's like pretty darn good in sealed. And I think likewise is probably better in team draft than in regular draft. Yeah, that makes sense. So moving on to pack one, pick four, because he's the following cards as options. There's Iwanti Fangblade, the 2-2 Death Toucher that ventures when it deals combat damage. Priest of Ancient Lore. And then not a lot else. I mean, BK's black, white, and the two best cards in the pack, I think, are black and white there. Yeah, so I think for my money, Priest of Ancient Lore is the best card in the pack. And I would take it given that BK is black, white at the moment, or at least, you know, went black, white card into white card, white card. He ends up taking Yuanti Fangblade here, which not only you know goes well in his deck, but as we'll see in your draft, this sends some very weird information to you. Yeah, so I see this Priest of Ancient Lore pack one, pick five, which is, you know, BK's probably happy about, right? Because then if I take the Priest and I start drafting white, he's drafting white 
over the top of me. So yeah. maybe that makes sense. Like maybe he takes this fang blade to try to mess me up with priest. I don't know. It's interesting. If yeah, I were BK, sure. I would have taken the priest just to solidify myself in white. And I think it's a better card than the fang blade. Yeah, that's what I would have done too. But maybe he's thinking on that that next level, like you talked about. And then moving on to pack one, pick five, sees pack with veteran dungeoneer, and not a lot else. There's a horde robber as a two drop, and then the Hama Pashar in the uncommon slot. Right, the the spicy Hama Pashar splash. He like, which I bet he would have taken here if dungeoneer wasn't in the pack, but he does uh, grab the dungeoneer. Yeah, dungeoneer's been great in the format, and really BK has a super straightforward draft. Like he just drafts black white all of pack one and he also gets good wheels he gets baleful beholder eighth eyes of the beholder nine uh and arborea pegasus pick 13 second to last like he gets a good wheel here after just sort of like sticking to his first pick yeah and then pack two pick one has the good fortune to open ranger class must be nice and (laughs) but so the weird thing is and i didn't quite realize this because there's 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 a very crazy pick that happens later that i want to take a look at in my mind looking at this first pack and seeing how his deck plays out i was like oh this dude just like opened a black white rare and then just got to be black white but he takes this ranger class and sort of toes the line until deck building about what his second color is. Whoa. So he he basically just gets a lot of white cards. He gets plate armor into moon blessed cleric, which can go find his ranger class or his minimus containment gets a dwarf old champion. A you hear something on watch. He gets an evolving wilds for a potential splash for either of those powerful two drops that he has. Um, but he's basically mono white because what happens here, which we'll fast forward to pack three, pick four, because I was looking at this pack going around the table. And I was like, how did this card not make its way to me? So pack three, pick four. Talk to me what's in this pack. Pack three, pick four. There's a lot of good cards in this pack. There's a you hear something on watch. There's a grim bounty. There's a hill giant herd gorger and a prosperous innkeeper. Right. So I was like following this pack around the table and I was like, oh, so how did this grim bounty like not make its way to like Ben to hate or something? Or how did like, where, where's the green card for me out of this pack? BK takes prosperous innkeeper out of this pack. I was like, I was like, how does he not take grim bounty? And it's because I realized, I think at this point he wasn't sure if he was green, white. And my guess is at this point, he thought he was green, white and splashing the adventurer. Well, and this actually, this pick really messes me up too, because I put LSV on black. And so I have to hate grim bounty here instead of taking a hill giant herd gorger for my deck. Yeah. And I think LSV takes the herd gorger and I end up getting another you hear something, which is nice, but like it's so wild here. Uh, what, what, what's, what's happening? So is BK just an evil genius mastermind or did this just sort of work out in their favor with a weird pick here? Um, I, I, sh- I haven't gone back to watch the VOD, so I can't say for sure. I mean, pack three, pick one. Not that there's a black card for him, but like he takes a hill giant herd gorger. I think he thought he was green, white until deck building and then realized, eh, I probably should just be white, black and splash this ranger class instead. Well, and he also knows that he hooked me up with green in pack one, right? So it's even more incentivizing for him to move into green, right? Because he passed me purple worm. So he knows I either took death priest or purple worm. And then he also shipped that intrepid outlander pick three. And there was a pack with some green pack one pick four. So he's got reason to suspect, I think that I am in green, right? Yeah. So we take a look at his deck. I mean, it's just good. It's just white, black, Splash on the Ranger class, he's got Evolving Wilds, Forest. You know, you can think about 
treasure making with the venture, though that doesn't quite handle the ranger class because you really want to be able to invest three total green mana into it to get it all the way leveled up. Um, but, you know, he got he gets that dancing sword that Alex passed. He has that plate armor. Um, he's got, you know, some medium-ish removal. He's got Eyes of the Beholder, Minimus Containment. You hear something on watch. Like, he's got interaction. But a, a, a strong deck played out, you know, very well. I saw that Rangers class more than I would like in our match, uh, in my match against BK. Um, and he ended up going 2-1. All right, moving on to my draft. Yeah, let's take a look at what you got going on here. Pack one, pick one. Ben is the one who opens this like highly medium pack. Um, so this is the <laughs> one that has, you know, Faradus Fireball, Purple Worm, Displacer Beast, Celestial Unicorn. And the rare here is Long Rest, Triple Green X, Sorcery, Return X Target cards with different mana value from your graveyard to your hand. If eight or more cards were returned to your hand this way, your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. That's like such a meme. And then you exile Long Rest. Yeah, I think this is between Long Rest and Purple Worm, which is good for me. Right, because then I'm passing a green card to LSB and maybe I can hook cut him. So I think Long Rest is better than Purple Worm. I've built around it a couple times and I think it's likely even better in team draft if the games are a little grindier. Yeah, my only experience with Long Rest was in Sealed in the AFR Discord Party release event. And I did not like it personally, um, but I know that you have experience with the card, so I trust you in taking it here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a close pick. I think Alex said he would take Purple Worm, but I do like Long Rest a fair amount. Yeah. Well, luckily for you, you have an, uh, a chance to snap up a purple worm next. Pack one, pick two. Uh, you've got, you know, Sylvan Shepherd. You hear something on watch. Ginny wins here. Earth Cult Elemental all at common. And then three uncommons here in Targnar, Purple Worm, and Death Priest of Miracle. Uh, the rare is missing, and we know that that is the triumphant adventurer from BK. Yeah, this is an interesting pick for me, right? So it's one of the uncommons is what I'm taking. And it's a question of whether I want to take Death Priest and try to go into black or take Purple Worm that lines up best with my long rest. And for me, like, I'm just trying to feel it out. And I think I want to get deeper into green, I'm comfortable drafting green, and then I'm not going to be fighting over what I expect a lot of people drafting in black red. That was one of the other things we talked about was, you know, if you're incentivized to do something other than black red, it could be actually good as long as you're aware to not pass good late black and red cards. So I took the purple worm here, noting the Targnar and the Death Priest. And I think if LSV took purple worm, there's a chance he takes Targnar and I'm drafting green ahead of him. And then if he takes Death Priest, you know, I, I don't know whether he's green red or black right now so it's kind of tough um but i'm noting that he likely took one of those two cards right it's hard for you to get a read on what lsv is gonna do here like unlike my draft for example where it was like like i was like burning hands marshall's probably taking that like vorpal sword maybe he takes it or you know the targnar i thought marshall was definitely going to take he ended up passing it for you you're you're not really it's not clear what the next best card is out of these packs that you're passing Right. So pack one, pick three. This is that pack with all those red cards, the Barbarian, the Captain, the Tiger Tribe Hunter, the Morning Star. And then your green options are Underdark Basilisk and I guess choose your weapon as the split card at Uncommon. Yeah, I mean, so this is a tough pack in that like, I don't really want to move into red here and I can't cut a red card, right? But I know I just yeah. passed the Targnar. And so I'm worried that LSV has taken purple worm into targnar into probably goblin morning star here and so i i just want to get deeper into green for myself to make sure i solidify myself into a color and then i can figure out what my second color is and i'm right now tentatively putting on lsv on most likely to be red green except if he took death priest of miracle so i, I ended up settling on the underdark basilisk for myself 
Yeah, so you get deeper into green and you can't cut red. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Pack one, pick four. You just get to take the best guard here in Intrepid Outlander as a nice green two drop for you. There's also a Basilisk that you wouldn't mind, and you're really not passing much. I mean, you're passing the Ginny Winsier, the Guild Thief, Eyes of the Beholder. I don't know. Like, there's not much here. Right. I'm thrilled about the Outlander. It's definitely the best card in the pack, and I'm not shipping anything good to LSV. And now pack one, pick five. For the green drafter in you, there's options here, right? There's four green cards. This is the pack that makes its way to me. Uh, so we've got Green Dragon, Inspiring Bard, Plummet, and Ranger's Longbow. And then the best card in the pack here still left is the Priest of Ancient Lore. Right. Yeah. So this is a tough pick, right? I'd like to take Inspiring Bard for my draft to stay green, but I feel like I can't pass a Priest of Ancient Lore just because it's such a good card. I think it's far and away the best card in the pack. And then I'm also noting the Horde Robber in case LSV took the Death Priest of Miracle. Like, I think he's most likely to be red-green, but if he took the Death Priest into a red card, you know, into the Zombie Ogre or something, there's a world where he is trying to do red-black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just depends what he opened. And we'll, we'll see, right? Remember, I, I had a read of, okay, if he took an uncommon here, it's probably black or red. So we'll see what, what happens there. And we of note, right, we've got black-red as the best deck. And so far, we've gone through four drafts and no one's black-red. So pretty likely that he ends up there. We want to take us through the rest of this pack here. Yeah, so pack one, pick six. I hate a horde robber because I had just passed a horde robber and I didn't want to ship two horde robbers to LSV knowing he could have potentially taken the Death Priest of Miracle. And then the rest of the pack rounds out like fairly normally. I get a you meet in a tavern out of that terrible pack I opened. I hate an army veteran overtaking a Sylvan Shepherd for myself because I think, you know, there's a chance that LSV's black red. Um, or red green with the Targnar, and I didn't want to let him get a two drop. And then, you know, some good late blue makes its way around to me. Pack one, pick 10, I get a genie Windseer. Had the option to take a clever conjurer the pack before that. Pick 11, I get a talisman, which is an uncommon that I think is pretty good if you're blue, um, especially with genie Windseers. You know, making a genie Windseer a 4 4 and then getting a copy of that card super strong. So I wield all of those good blue cards that no one was interested in. And so my intention was to try to be green red potentially to you know cut lsv off of red but i knew that with all those blue cards coming around that i was likely to be able to make playables in green blue no matter what happened in the draft okay sweet so i know you want to talk about the flow of pack two here so i'm going to sort of let you take the lead in the narrative yeah pack two was tough and i had a really hard decision right off the bat so pack two pick one there's basically no good green cards in the pack there's an underdark basilisk and then the two best cards in the pack are dragon's fire and plate armor and so i have to decide what i think bk is like because i'm basically hating a card here right so if i'm putting bk on red i take dragon's fire if i'm putting bk on white i take plate armor and because of that late priest of ancient lore I thought BK was not likely to be white. Like, I thought that was a really weird card to get pack one, pick five. And the only good red I really saw all pack was pack one, pick three with that bevy of good red cards. And so I thought, you know, maybe BK took another better card out of that pack. And again, just like shipped red because he couldn't hate anything out of that pack. So I thought it was most likely that BK was red rather than white. And so I took Dragon's Fire here and attempted to move into red underneath BK to try to cut him. And then I I thought, you know, maybe they were red on either side of me. And by drafting red, I could make both of their decks worse. So that ended up not being the case. So I really ended up hurting our team in pack two here, right? Because not only am I taking red cards that would have passed through BK and made it their way to Alex, 
but I'm also just hooking BK up in white, right? You said BK was just almost mono white through pack two. Yeah. That was my fault, right? Because I'm <laughs> passing to BK in pack two, which was really not good. I mean, like, it's tough. I mean, from your perspective, I think you're making the right read there. Um, or at least you're you're making a read and maybe it's a 50-50 flip or whatever, but you're taking the, the information of the late priest of ancient lore and saying, okay, this is what I think BK is likely to be. And so I'm going to make a read on it. Um, and, and if there were like cards that were good for your deck, like, I don't think you're often making these picks over stuff that would make your deck, like taking Underdark Basilisk here. Sure, it's fine. Underdark Basilisk ends up making its way to me and I'm happy about that, you know? So like, because like spoiler, as, as people, if they're following along at home, all three of team uh, Lords and Cord ended up in green which I don't think ended up really hurting us that much, um, but certainly something to note. Yeah. So it was definitely tough. You know, if I take plate armor here and I draft white, I make BK's deck significantly worse and Alex's significantly better. So it was kind of a 50-50 choice because I didn't see a lot of red or white right. in pack one. And so like, I just have to kind of make a read and I made the wrong choice. Yeah. So that was tough in pack two. So I hooked BK up. And then if we fast forward to pack three... You know, I get a Hunter's Mark, pack three, pick one over a Grim Bounty. Again, I just have to take the best card from my deck. I think yeah. LSV, there's a reasonable chance he's black, so I'm worried about passing the Grim Bounty. But I can't do anything about that really there. And then if we fast forward to pack three, pick three, there's an interesting pick where I see a Goblin Morningstar. And again, I'm thinking I am most likely to want to be green red at this point, but have green blue as an off ramp if I want it. And then so there's this Goblin Morningstar in a pack with Precipitous Drop as well. So I take the Morningstar over the Precipitous Drop, which is good, as we'll see from LSV's draft. And then pack three, pick five, I do correctly hate a Grim Bounty from LSV. Pack three, pick six, I hate a Horde Robber from LSV. So I did some good things, I think, in pack three to stop LSV's deck from being better, but really messed things up for our team in pack two. Yeah, I, I think one, I especially because Alex went 2-1. I mean, I think you didn't really mess up his deck that much. And BK, you know, he does get hooked up with white and gets to hashtag delay the decision. But a lot of the cards that you pass him, I mean, they make his deck functional, but at least for, for my money, the way, thing, the way things played out, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't those like commons that were really dictating his deck that much. Yeah. So I did end up uh, not quite making playables in red-green, and so I ended up having to play green-blue, if you take a look at my deck, and it was fine. I was a little clogged on the four-drop slot, but I was playing 18 lands, and I just got pretty bad opening hands and got stuck on two mana a couple times. My deck was fine. It was powerful. You know, it did what I think this type of deck wants to do, which was kind of clog the ground early and then, you know, get to your fours, fives, and sixes. So I was fine with my deck. It's a little light on interaction. Yeah, that's one of the things I was noting when I looked at it, because I think interaction is kind of clutch in team draft. I also think a a big, like, I ended up with, like, a bunch of plummets and then just never, like, none of, maybe BK with, like, the planar ally on the Pegasus, but they're just, like, there weren't flyers in our uh, opponent's decks that much. I will say you see a guard approach was clutch for me out of the board. And maybe it should have just even been in the main deck. Like we just know those guys like removal and like interaction. And I cited it in every round and it was good every round. That makes sense. All right. That takes us on to our last drafter at the table, which is LSV. And let's find out if uh, if our reads were correct here, Ben, in terms of what you thought he was in from what you passed and what I thought he was in from him passing to me. And let's just jump right to that uncommon slot, the uncommon he took over Vorpal Sword and Owlbear. And it is da 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 Skull Port Merchant. Two and a black, one four ETBs makes treasure. Pay one and a black, sack another creature, treasure, draw a card. And he just has to be thrilled with this open. If you're not getting a bomb rare, this is just about the best you can do. 
Yeah. And then pack one, pick two, that's that pack I passed in with a purple worm, has a choice between purple worm and Ferrita's fireball and took Ferrita's fireball, which makes sense. I think if you open Skullport Merchant, Ferrita's fireball is a lot more appealing, right? Because you really want to be black red with Skullport Merchant. And that just sort of bears out for him, right? Like he takes Death Priest of Miracle, which is a card that I think Yumi and Alex are not high on, just if the format's about rate. Four mana 2-2 isn't that good. Probably gets a little better in team draft. Like I might have, and also probably sends a better signal than taking a Hexblade over the Death Priest, that, though I, I personally might prefer a Hexblade or even a Thieves Tools in red black or whatever. Oh no, I, I definitely like Death Priest there myself. I think this card is junk. Why do you like this card? I think it's super good. There's a lot of ways to grind with it and you can chump attack with the skeletons, which is really good with the three five that ventures. There's just a lot of small things it does really well. I agree it's not an intrinsically powerful card, but it's almost an engine type card for the red black. It gives you a free sack outlet for things like the the sack of card, draw two cards, make a treasure. I just think it does a lot of small things really well in red black. All right. Yeah, I'm 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 not a fan, but I I and the pick here makes sense to me. Out of the like glut of red cards pack, he takes a goblin morning star, makes sense. Uh gets a zombie ogre, pick five, and that horde robber pick six. And then I stop him from getting another horde robber pick seven which is nice right yeah i mean he's he then is like doesn't get anything on the wheel but it just doesn't really matter because what does he open pack to meteor swarm yeah this is triple red x sorcery deals eight damage divide as you choose among x target creatures and or planeswalkers and i didn't know you could do this in afr but you can apparently companion this because lsv cast this in every (laughs) game against us Yeah, it was not ideal. I didn't know that was possible. Like at the end of the draft, so LSV goes 3-0 with his deck. And at the end of the draft, we're like, all right, GG's. He's like, yeah, my deck was good. And I cast Meteor Swarm like 12 times. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, (laughs) it's a a good, good card to open and a good card to see pretty darn consistently. Yeah. And then, you know, just got his way into red, black. And I... I passed him enough. Both you and I passed him enough black and red. It's so hard to cut somebody out of those colors entirely, right? Just well, because the the roster of commons is so deep. Exactly. And most times it was like, well, I could take this, but then I'm still passing him a good black card, or I could take this, but I'm still passing a good red card. So it's hard, especially with not having the information, right? Like there, there's a world and maybe it's lower percent, but whatever, there's a world where you're black. And so for to, to me, I'm like, well... Uh, going through pack two, do I hate this black card from Ben? I might because like I might be able to float it much like when I passed the Reaper's Talisman, like Marshall didn't take it. And so it made its way to Alex. And that was very good for Alex. So it's it's just really it's a hard, you know, line to toe there. Yeah. And I think in pack three, I did, you know, significantly cut some black cards that would have made LSV's deck, you know, even better than it was. So it's it's tough. So if you look at the deck, it is, I think, pretty good there's three horde robbers and you know i stopped him from having two other horde robbers and one thing i hadn't seen yet in the format was horde robber plus dueling rapier that was really effective for him against me right so you like you know you attack with the horde robber your opponent puts their 2-2 in front and then you get to flash in the rapier eat the 2-2 and then now you're left with this 3-3 that they have to deal with that's going to make treasure i mean it's essentially a hoarding ogre for you for two mana yeah yeah um i mean his deck is very good i think he definitely has the best deck at the table i think it's significantly bolstered by meteor swarm but it's just a rock solid red black deck like i wouldn't be surprised maybe it's a little lower on power level like weirdly splashing plate armor if you were like i drafted this in a normal table but it still looks pretty darn good yep i agree all right there it is another team draft in the books uh you know we're we're still we're scrapping there we're, we're down one match we're only down one 
match total, right? It's like 22 to 23 um, in terms of the total matches we played against these guys. So we're keeping it competitive. And I always look forward to these events and looking forward to the next one. Yeah, good games with team limited resources. And I will never stop wanting to do these, even if we lose 12 in a row. They are the <laughs> highlight of my week whenever they happen. And it is always a blast to get to compete against high level competition. Well, and, and and this as a staple for the podcast, this is a really fun episode to get to do. So I'm also, you know, very happy that we get to add this as a, a rotating style of show. For sure. All right. Great place to wrap it up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you, as always, to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. We really appreciate it. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben's at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome, Mr. Spelled Out. We're under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels. Make sure you give it a listen. Make sure you give give what a listen. Uh, wait, I didn't say for our intro and outro music. <laughs>